0: This morning, I'm going to close out my counterculture series. So, we've kind of been taking uh, the month of November, and, and you um, like the, there's the typical suburban approach to life. And then, Jesus, in, in some of those typical pursuits, uh, suburban pursuits, human pursuits, uh, he encourages followers to go counterculture uh, and live differently than the way the vast majority of people would tend to live, and today we're going to talk about the truth aspect of that. Um, What does Jesus, what does the scripture uh, teach, what did the scriptures teach about um, truth and the importance of truth in living counterculture. So, to get us in the mood, uh, I thought we'll play a little game, a little game of true or false. Now, I uh, would love for you to play along. This is nothing that's going to be personal. Okay, I'm not going to ask you true or false about your spring break of 1996. Um, uh, but let's go. Uh, first question, <clears throat> an easy one. Hot and cold water sound the same when poured. Hot and cold water sound the same when poured. If you think that's true, raise your hand high. Raise your hand really high so that we can all see that you are wrong that is false. So hot water uh, molecules move around a little more and therefore when it's poured boiling hot water sounds differently than cold water. Now you know and knowing is half the battle. Next. 50 Cent and Charlie Chaplin were alive at the same time. 50 Cent and Charlie Chaplin were alive at the same time. Raise your hand if you think that's true. Actually, actually, Charlie Chaplin died when 50 Cent was two and a half years old. He was but a nickel. Anyone? Anyone? So yes, that is true. They were briefly alive at the same time. Now you know. Next, there are only two parts of the body that can self-heal. Only two parts of the body that self-heal. True or false? Raise your hand if you think that's true. That is false. There's only one part of the body that cannot heal itself, and that is the teeth. Teeth are the only part of the body. That's what the Internet says, so you've got to stand by it. Teeth are the only part of the body that can't self-heal. Uh, next, the letter E. E is the most common letter used in the English language. How many think that's true? The letter E. That is so true. The letter E is the most common. Now, this, one, this one's my favorite. Here comes my favorite, uh, just interesting. In a deck of cards, the king of hearts has a mustache. How many of you think that is true? The king of hearts has a mustache. <clears throat> king of spades has a mustache king of clubs has a mustache, king of diamonds has a mustache, but the king of hearts does not have a mustache. <clears throat> so I read about this, and uh, no symbolic significance here, it's just over time there was like one card company in Europe that made all the cards, or most of them, and over time the, um, the, the, their printing press, the, what they call like the, the stamp thing, um, um, the slug, or whatever they call that, uh, the mustache wore off, and so the King of Hearts started to be printed with no mustache. The King of Hearts started to be printed with no mustache, and the axe gradually worn down over the years to become a sword. So there you go. Now I think there's one more question. <clears throat> there are 32 teams participating in the 2022 FIFA World Cup. How many of you think that is true? The real answer is nobody cares about the FIFA World Cup. I am fueled by the anger of soccer fans. I had to decide which to go with. Do I go with uh, uh, something to irritate the cat fans? in the room or something to irritate the soccer fans in the room. And I thought, well, with FIFA now, it's like, you know, soccer, Olympics or whatever, um, that it would be more appropriate for me to irritate soccer people. So there you go. Um, Now I can move on. Let's talk about the Bible, shall we? So um, uh, we're going to talk about truth today. Uh, We're going to talk about the source of truth. We're going to talk about the source of lies, and then we're going to take some time to get real practical about um, how we can apply it to um, typical suburban everyday life. So let me start. Uh, I would encourage, I would love for all of you to grab a Bible, um, either in the rack uh, in, the, in front of you, uh, or if there's no rack in front of you, um, then in the chair in front of you, then you go underneath uh, your chair if you're sitting in the very back or in the very front. But the reason that I'd like for everybody to do this is, is so that if anybody's here and maybe they're not very familiar with the Bible, they don't feel like they're standing out, um, fumbling around, you know, everybody is, is looking. So if you could grab a Bible, I would really appreciate it. And, and turn to, um, we're going to turn, we're going to start in John 18. John 18 <coughs> is on page... We're going to start on 1085, 1085, John 18. That's one of the Gospels. If you're brand new, um, the Gospels are the biographies. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the biographies of Jesus. They contain uh, the life and teachings of Jesus. Now, this is an important moment when it comes to truth because we're going to look at the source of truth, and we see this moment where uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is standing before Pontius Pilate. Most people have heard of Pontius Pilate. He was a Roman uh, governing official who had the authority to, um, to decide whether someone was being executed or whether they were pardoned or not guilty or whatever. Like a lot of human authority right there in Pontius Pilate. And you contrast that with Jesus, the Son of God. Um, and so here they are facing off in John 18. We're going to start in verse 36. Verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born, the reason I was born and came into the world, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. Then he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And what is truth? Retorted Pilate. So so we get Jesus very clearly saying, I was born. The reason I was born was to testify to the truth. And everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. So we get this, this connection, this deep connection between Jesus and truth. Jesus as the source of truth. Now, please turn to John 8. Flip back a few pages to John 8, (coughs) which is the big number 8, if you're brand new to the Bible. (coughs) And in verse 31, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching." You are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus says that he came to bring truth. Then uh, later in John 14, he said, I am the truth. Then in John 8, he says, uh, if you hold to my teaching, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, so Jesus deeply connects himself with truth and deeply connects his followers And his teachings with truth. And the byproduct of truth is it sets us free. But the must is, if you check the box on the census as Christian, then Jesus said you had better be committed to truth. Because he is the source of truth. So if you say you are a Christian and yet aren't deeply committed to truth, to telling truth, to living truth, to truthfulness then you're off course a little bit because Jesus is deeply connected with truth. So would you agree from like a, a branding perspective? Everybody talks about branding these days. <clears throat> would you agree that Jesus is branding himself with truth? I think it's pretty obvious. I don't think that's a stretch at all based on what we just read. That Jesus is synonymous with truth and He wants his followers, and we say all the time here at Polaris, if you say you follow Jesus, then that means it's not just believing the right stuff. You're actually living out Jesus' teaching. And so so if we're connected with Jesus, then we have to take truth and being truthful very, very serious. Now, let's look at the opposite of that. So we're still in John chapter 8. Jesus had just said... His followers need to be on the side of truth and committed to truth and, and committed to telling the truth. Now he's going to flip this and talk about the source of lies. And he's specifically here, and this is so crazy, he's talking to the clergy of his day. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, to the, like, the experts in the field of God. And here's what he says. This is in verse 44. Verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. Like, that's pretty harsh. Looking at the clergy, he says, you, you, you guys belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of God. Lies. So Jesus swings pretty hard with that. Like that's a that's a that's a verbal beatdown to the uh, clergy of the day. Which, interestingly enough, uh, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, they're generally filled with love and grace and positivity and forgiveness. But not necessarily for the religious leaders. Um, He he has a a lot of um, very harsh things to say to the self-righteousness, and the hypocrisy uh, within, the, um, uh, the, ex- within the, the, the community of experts in the religious world, okay? So, um, all this to say, we see this strong branding of truth with Jesus, uh, but the father of lies, and the liar, and the source, the dad of lying, is Satan. So, Truth in Jesus, lying in Satan. Those are the two categories that Jesus gives for us to evaluate uh, truthfulness and um, in, in falsehood. Now, four uh, quick thoughts about the idea of, of Jesus in connection with truth and Satan in connection with lies. Uh, first of all, a couple weeks ago, We read at the beginning of Matthew where Jesus and Satan are interacting with each other like face-to-face. Like like they're at it. Um, um, And and Do anybody remember how Satan tried to manipulate Jesus? Like what he used to try to steer Jesus off course? He used scripture. So Satan would tell these kind of twisted Uh, half-truths through Scripture, and then Jesus combated him uh, by uh, quoting Scripture, but with proper interpretation. This is a really important passage in the Bible because it tells us that Satan is a master of half-truths. Okay, Satan is the father of lies, and his most effective lies, the most effective and dangerous lies out there, are things that are true-ish. They're sort of true. They're kind of true. There's some truth, but they're not all truth. So that's the first thing I want you to think about is, is the importance of, 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 of when, when something is sort of true, but not all the way true. It becomes like, picture this beautiful, juicy um, uh, cheeseburger uh, with, with a good bun, not like the, you know, the flour bun, but like the, the, the quality gourmet bun with sesame seeds and all that. And it's, it's beautiful and you're hungry, but the bottom is moldy. Like, it looks great from the top, but the bottom is moldy. That's these, like, half-truths, things that are almost true, but they're, they're, not, they're not all the way true, and they maybe even seem harmless, but, but they have a lot of damage. Now, we're going to look. <clears throat> they have the, the potential for a lot of damage. We're going to look now. Uh, so thought number one, Satan uses a lot of half-truths when he interacts. Number two, this is, um, this is 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to read 2 Corinthians 10. And uh, it's, actually, it's actually 2 Corinthians 10. I, I trained, uh, 5 is the money verse, and I accidentally put that up. At the, so 2 Corinthians 10 and 10.5 and is, is where we're really looking at. But for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So this is talking about a spiritual war, a spiritual battle. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds We demolish arguments and every pretension. What's a pretension? It's a lie. We demolish every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is a really important passage in the Bible because it tells us where the battle's fought. So Satan communicates with lies, and here it says those lies and the spiritual battles occur where? They occur in our thoughts. So, it's important that you and I be aware of our thoughts because Satan, who uses half truths, will do so in our mind. <clears throat> now, here's brings us to so, first, he uses half truths. Secondly, it's in the mind usually. Third, it is extremely important that we get in the habit of mining our thoughts and asking, is that really true? Is that fully true? And if it's not fully true, where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. It certainly doesn't come from Jesus if it's not fully true. Now, this is important because usually in my own life, whether I'm mad, um, you know, I deal with a decent amount of anxiety. I, I don't try to hide that. I don't love that. I'm not proud of that, but it's a factor in my life. If I have anxious thoughts, I mind them. If I have angry thoughts... Um, I mine them. If I have thoughts of revenge or whatever, you mine them for what it, what, what's, the, what's the purest, uh, what's the most condensed thought that is bringing about this negative stuff? And then you ask, is that true? Nine times out of 10, most of the stuff that really messes us up in life or causes us to do things and say things uh, that we regret, stemmed from us believing something or ruminating on something that is not even true. And if it is, it's not fully true. And so you ask, is that true? Now, it's interesting because in counseling, um, and I know just enough counseling to be dangerous. When people come to me for counseling, I, I send them to people who know what they're doing, okay? But I know that in counseling, one of the, one of the oh, leading edges in counseling, especially for anxiety, which is a huge problem in our nation right now, is called cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's where you literally mine your thoughts and ask, is that really true? And then you challenge those untrue thoughts. Now, this is fascinating because what it means is that, is that counseling has finally caught up to the scriptures. In 2022, Here we are catching up to 2,000 years, 3,000 years of of truth in Scripture that says the battle's in your mind, and you have to take those thoughts captive and bring them into into obedience to God's truth. Thing number four. So half-truths in the mind, and you're asking, is that really true? Number four. I want you to picture this is a regular thing we have to do throughout the day you got a bucket you got the lie bucket right here and who's the father of the lie bucket satan the enemy you got the truth bucket here who's the father of the truth bucket jesus now we're thinking josh naylor okay who's your daddy ruined a season based on that anyway he did he's the one who did that thing you guys know that okay You're going throughout your day, and you're ready to tell a story. You're ready to tell your boss about something. You're ready to tell a customer uh, whether something shipped or didn't. You're ready to fill out a tax form or a a school form, a FAFSA form, whatever. You're mining what you're thinking through. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Is it fully true? If it's fully true, it goes in the Jesus bucket. He's the dad of truth. If it's not fully true, you're ready to log into Netflix with your password and log in that you didn't pay for. Okay? Is it fully true? Is it fully honest? If it's not, if it's true-ish, or if it's untrue, it goes in the other bucket, which means that Satan is the daddy. Now, when something is born, it generally grows. And we don't want to fill our life with a bunch of growing half-truths, untruths, falsehoods, dishonesty. Like we, we, I don't need, as tempted as I am to exaggerate when I tell a story, I don't need a bunch of those little children running around in my life. <clears throat> Because they grow and they take on a life of their own. So, regular practice of evaluating what you say and do, which category was it birthed from? Jesus or Satan? Truth, half-truth, lie. Okay, Uh, let me transition for a few minutes here. Um, uh, Jesus connects his teachings with truth. And, and this is just, just as practical as I can be, and, and when, I, when I'm thinking about this, like it would be great for everybody to have a so, sort of a, wouldn't it be great to have like a manual, like the, like the thing that I've been thinking about, like a flight manual, like in the movie, something's gone wrong, and what do they do? They get the flight manual out, and it tells them, okay, if this, then that, if this, then that. And, and, and it'd be great if we had something like that. If, if Jesus' teachings are truth, and they, they lead us to truth, and they set us free, it'd be great if we had a baseline, like a flight manual. So I asked my friend Phil, uh, thinking about a flight manual, and I don't know what, what a flight manual really is, but I wanted to kind of validate before I used that analogy or illustration, and, and Phil not only knows what a flight manual is, he has access to one. So, so walk us through real quick, Phil. Phil um, works on an airplane at NASA, and he's gonna tell you a little bit about a flight manual.
1: Okay, so flight <clears throat> manual. Also known as a POH, we like our abbreviations in aviation. Pilot Operator's Handbook, and, on it, it, and it has all the information of all the systems that are on the plane: like communication, navigation, pneumatics, hydraulics, fuel systems, weapon systems. All that stuff is in here. So when a pilot comes out of flight school and gets assigned a permanent platform, we'll be very familiar with this manual. So if something, you know, it'll tell you if, uh, if you're taking off with a half load of fuel, how many feet of runway do you need? If you're taking off with a whole load of fuel, probably a little more runway. It's all in here, all in charts, all in paragraph form, all right here. Everything's there.
0: Now, you have experience with a, with a little bit of a crisis or what a mm-hmm. potential crisis and like real world okay. experience with a, the, so yeah, yeah, do your thing.
1: feel like all good airplane stories start out with, well, there I was, you know. So anyways, we had taken the plane. I'm the crew chief on the plane, so I do all the maintenance, modifications, inspections, all the stuff, I'm the plane's mother. I wipe its nose at night, I put it to bed. It's basically my plane until I hand it over to the air crew. <clears throat> so we had been in the maintenance facility having some work done, which all went well. We went through all the checklists and everything. So we're coming home, normal takeoff checklist. We. We get the cruise altitude straight and level. Pilot says to me, as he often does, I'm flying right seat, here, you take the plane, Phil, just keep it on this heading, this altitude, and get us home. So I'm, I'm not a pilot. Um, <clears throat> not that that's a hard job. Houses get big, houses get small. What else do you need to know? That's how you fly a plane. So we're flying, and I'm just looking out on the horizon, and my, my pilot says to me, Phil, do you smell that? And instantly, this stink came over of, and you've probably smelled it, like something burning electrically. It's very unmistakable what that smell is. And sure enough, that's what I had smelled. He, uh, he looks at the enunciator panel, or master caution panel, as it's called, in military aircraft, and boom, we got a light, we lost a fuel pump. So Jim says to me, Phil, I got the airplane, you work the problem, you do it. So what I did was pulled out the, Trusty pilot or air, air, uh, aircraft flight manual, went to the section that's hi- highlighted, in-flight emergencies, and went through the checklist, and and just all we had to do was just pull a circuit breaker to make sure because you know when a fuel pump fails, I in my head in like four seconds I was like well the engine's still running, so we don't have a problem there, but electrically, this could cause a fire. So we worked the checklist and it says, pull a couple of circuit breakers. It already switched over to a backup system and we came home, so yeah.
0: Excellent, well thank yeah. you for your expertise yeah. in flight manuals. So it's it's one of those things where wouldn't it, like I see that emergency thing, it's called the, uh, this is the last thing you'll ever read. Um. So wouldn't it be great to have like, a, something that was like, if this, then that, like, uh, what do I do? And, and the, the issue is, okay, that, that's, that's a lot. Um, and you could say, well, we have the Bible. Well, that's a lot. And I know that my Polaris, a couple things about my Polaris family. Number one, um, life is hard, right? Life is not for the faint of heart. And I, you know, I know your stories. I know my stories. Life is, life is difficult. And like Ferris Bueller says, life comes at you fast, and there's a lot of you know ins and outs, a lot of things you have to be quick to make decisions on. Uh, I also know that my Polaris family, a lot of you are new to the Bible, uh, just learning, uh, you, maybe you don't know a lot yet, and I know this can be a little overwhelming. So, in the spirit of truth and what is true and what's going to last, what I'd love for you to do is everybody, please, everybody, grab a Bible. Everybody, grab a Bible. And turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're not going to read anything. This is simply a demonstration. Chapter Matthew chapter 5. It's on page 10, or I'm sorry, 968. 968, Matthew chapter 5. 968. And then once you're there, I want you to turn the page twice. And I want you to see the end of Matthew chapter 7 down there by the big number 8 at the bottom left of the page. So two page turns, two pages. Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. Two pages, three total. Okay, two pages, three chapters. If you want to talk about a flight manual for following Jesus, that's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7 a few pages of the Bible. It's about 2,500 words, which is the equivalent to one Alex Poindexter sermon transcript. Okay, the reason I do by words is I know how long it's going to be. That's about 25 minutes of spoken material. That's about 15, 12 to 15 minutes of, of um, read material. That is three chapters. And nearly... Any circumstance you are faced with where you would need the advice of Jesus can be found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So my advice as compared to starting with the whole thing and not knowing where to turn or thinking in terms of this, for 15 minutes a day, We can all obsess over the Sermon on the Mount. Five, six, and seven. The condensed version of the teachings of Jesus on a platter for anyone who wants it. A foundation to build on from the source of truth, from the one who came to testify to the truth and bring truth and who expects his followers to be students of truth and connected with truth. Anyone who is for truth is for Jesus, and anyone who is for Jesus is for truth, and there it is. So, even if you know nothing about the Bible, you can look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and for 15 minutes a day, after about a month, you will be extremely familiar. You'll know the teachings of Jesus inside and out after a month, and then you will be able to fairly easily, not all the time, sometimes things are complicated, but most situations, you'll have that bedrock memorized, essentially, by being obsessed with the Sermon on the Mount. And that is a pretty solid place to start in terms of a manual to build your life around. So. Uh, I want to encourage you to to do two things, and you guys can come on up for one last song um, once you get good at evaluating and i'm gonna, I'm right in here with you I'm in this with you um at evaluating uh truth half truth lies which bucket does it go into, mining yourself for thoughts for that you know did you just be conscious of truth not true and Treat it accordingly. Think of the source, who's the daddy, okay? And secondly, I would love for you to become a student of those three chapters of the Bible, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, so that you have that kind of pilot's manual for whatever situation you may face throughout the day. We're gonna do this last song. Go ahead and stand. And during this last song, Um, I hope that it will solidify or a moment for you to solidify what decision you have made and what kind of commitment to truth and, and the source of truth that you have made or would like to make in your life.